You are Locked On Angels, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Angels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, your 2018 Angel. Welcome to Locked On Angels. Keep it locked. Locked on. Locked on, sir. Locked On Angels. Wow, what a game, what a finish. The Angels able to take care of business. How's it going, everybody? My name is Patrick Zajac, your host of Locked On Angels, minor league play-by-play broadcaster and first row rider of the emotional sports roller coaster. That is Angels Baseball. Welcome to your daily Angels update here on Locked On Podcast Network, LockedOnSports.com, and FanRag Sports. Doing a little uh, special episode for you guys. You know, I realized that uh, tomorrow's game, or should I say today's game? Tomorrow's game, because I'm rec- I'm going to publish this episode right after I'm done with it. So for all you night owls, you have something to fall asleep to. Um, because, excuse me, a little bit of a sneeze. But uh, tomorrow's game in Toronto, the series finale, that one is a 9.30 a.m. first pitch, so uh, no point for me to release it at the normal time, get it ready for you guys in the morning. Why not let you guys listen to it uh, in the evening beforehand or in the morning as you drive to work to get you ready for that 9.37 first pitch? So coming at you for the first time live the night before a scheduled release, but most importantly, Angels take care of business 5-4, to four, a nerve-wracking final, that ninth inning. I mean, I got to admit, I was absolutely livid about this team's approach offensively not only in game one I made that known in yesterday's episode um, but also pretty much the first eight innings of today's ball game it just seemed as if you know the Angels they weren't able to stay out of their own way and none of the breaks were going their way either I mean first of all you have Tyler Skaggs who pitched okay he got into a little bit of trouble um, in the fifth inning there or in the fourth inning I should say had to be Eventually, that pitch pitch count got up there. He had to be pulled after just five innings. But uh, the second home run that he gave up to Jan Jervis, Solarte fires a fastball that was about four and a half feet high. And kudos to Solarte. I said this on Twitter when it happened. I mean, there's nothing really wrong with Skaggs' location there. Solarte just went up and got a 94-mile-an-hour heater. Tip of the cap to you, as unfortunate as it was, things started trending in the wrong direction for the Halos. And 3 nothing after five innings of play, I even mentioned it on Twitter with all of you guys that, man, with the way this offense is producing, do we have any confidence that they can come back immediately in the top of the sixth? It seems as if we get that, right? You get the single from Martin Maldonado, cuts the lead to 3-1. to one. Um, You also have runners on first and second. I believe at the time there was nobody out, uh, maybe just one out. I don't remember exactly, but, you know, Mike Trout then is up. Runners at first and second, two outs, rips a hard liner to left. Maldonado looks like he's going to score easily, but Cole Calhoun tries to advance all the way to third, and he's tagged out on the throw um, from Curtis Granderson. And the play before that, remember, in terms of not getting breaks at all were the Halos. Uh, Hard hit ball off the bat. Was it off of Cole Calhoun? I'm trying to remember exactly. Yeah, it was off of Cole Calhoun. That is 
at first it looks like Curtis Granderson caught it, then bobbles it, falls to the turf. Cozart doesn't know. Then they show the instant replay. The third base umpire is signaling out the entire way through, even as Cozart is headed towards third base. So a tough play. But at the same time, there are plenty of times where, I, I don't know, it was hard for me to blame the umpire there. I got a little bit upset in the moment, but looking back on it, it's a tough play. It didn't look as if Cozart was looking at him, but we don't know if the third base umpire said something verbally or what exactly happened there. Just a tough break. And then you have Trout rip the single to left with two outs to score a run, cut the deficit to one, it seemed, and also put runners at first and second. Cole Calhoun in that situation, a little over-aggressive for my taste. I love my guys going from first to third and being aggressive, but it has to be controlled. And there, such a hard shot to left field. It's a much shorter throw for that outfielder, and it looked as if Curtis Granderson was going all the way. I know Cole Calhoun might be anticipating that there would have been a play at the plate and trying to take the extra base there, but... In that situation, man, you got to be cautious, especially with the way the offense has been running. It was a tough play. And after that point, I know we all kind of rolled our eyes and were like, oh, here we go again. It's just not our night. 3-1, such a great chance to score. And it seemed as if that it was going to stay up that way until the ninth inning. And here is one of my biggest arguments for why the lineup should be constructed. I'm going to go back to it. Mike Trout and Shohei Otani hitting 1-2 because Ian Kinsler... 0 for 5 tonight, started that ninth inning when you need a darn good at-bat. 1-1 uh, pitch, it was down at the knees, looked like it was out of the strike zone, even a lazy fly ball to right field. But then Mike Trout, Justin Upton, Albert Pujols, all work walks on full counts. Those were the best three at-bats of the e evening. Shohei Otani on the second pitch he sees, hits a little end-of-the-bat blooper into center to tie the game. And then on Drelton Simmons... I was actually a little upset with Andrelton Simmons and his approach to start the at-bat. looked like he was a little too over-aggressive in chasing an outside fastball, trying to sort of punch it to right field. And he gets down 0-2, but Andrelton Simmons, the grinder that he has been at the plate the last year and a half or so, comes through with a base hit up the middle to give the Angels a two-run lead. That's how the lineup should be constructed. Look at those guys that I just mentioned. Trout, Upton, Pujols, Ohtani, Simmons, and even Cozart followed up with a single there and had a three-hit night himself. That needs to be your first six in the order as far as I'm concerned. Trout, Ohtani, Upton, Pujols, Simmons, Cozart. I don't care about the righty-lefty splits. Angels don't have enough lefties in the lineup to really make it work. And nobody else, not Ian Kinsler, I don't know why he was inserted back into the leadoff spot, considering he is still batting below 200. And I haven't felt like he's been putting things together at any point yet this season. And Cole Calhoun at the plate, it is what it is. But I will say at this point, if Cole Calhoun can, he needs to turn it around at least somewhat, probably more than just somewhat. He needs to turn it on in a big way because 150 is just flat out unacceptable at the big league level, at any level of minor league baseball. But for what this guy can, that he can do offense or defensively, I should say, it is worth it to keep him in the lineup because I guarantee you, y'all have been clamoring and myself to an extent as well for Michael Hermosillo or Jabari Blash to get more playing time. They're not making that throw home. That only comes from Mr. Cole Calhoun, who leads the entire major leagues in outfield assists. That was his seventh on the season, and we've only played about less than 50 games. So 
Man, was I happy to see Cole Calhoun come through there and save the game, really, for the Angels at that point. I mean, that was a phenomenal play. Cole Calhoun, if he keeps playing defense like that, it's it's difficult, despite his struggles offensively, to keep him out of the lineup because of the value that he brings defensively. And hopefully that offensive turnaround comes sometime soon. Doesn't look like it, though, because in this comeback win, despite the great play from Cole Calhoun, he goes 0 for 5. Him and Kinzer, I, I don't think they've shown that they can be anything more than your 8-9 and nine hitters right now. But, hey, Cole Calhoun, tip of the cap to you, man. That was the play of the game. Big play defensively to save uh, the ball game for the Angels. A much, much needed win. I'm not a big, you know, momentum guy that it carries over from a walk-off into the next, but maybe, maybe this time it does because the team had been struggling. You get a nice comeback victory where the offense gets it done in a big way, maybe with some help from Tyler Clippard and his inaccuracy in that ninth inning, uh, walking the bases loaded, but always nice to get a comeback victory, especially with the way that things have been going for the team, especially with the Yankees on the horizon. You got the day game um, in Toronto to finish out the series. Hopefully you can get a W there going into the Bronx because the Yankees are playing probably the best baseball in the majors as of right now you want to sponsor the show know someone that does hit me up locked on angels at gmail.com rates what are they you know they're reasonable locked on angels at gmail.com and visit locked if you'd like to apply to be a part of the team here locked on angels looking for some writers to create some original written content for the site as we continue to expand would love for you guys to be a part of it because you're the guys I'm looking for. The passionate Angel fans listen to this show. So hit me up, LockedOnAngels at gmail.com for both of those inquiries. Well, Thursday means it's your gear grinder. What's grinding my gears today? Well, I might be a little late to the party on this, but it's I feel like it's a constant discussion around baseball. The shift, man, and how it's some guys argue that it's not baseball. I have no problem with defensive shifting, and I'm going to get into it here in the Thursday Gear Grinder. Gear Grinder. You're making me very upset. You know what really grinds my gears? It's been a constant theme, I feel like, these last couple of years. Um, and especially maybe at the beginning of this season and last season, because a lot of teams are getting a little more extreme with their defensive shifts. And I don't see how anyone could have a problem with it, quite frankly, because a defensive shift is inherently putting your team at a competitive disadvantage, so to speak. Obviously, yes, the stats say pull hitter shift. I, I'm not. I'm. I'm meaning in the sense that you are covering less ground because you're essentially opening up half of the field in a traditional shift. You know, let's go back to. Let's say on a pull hitter. Let's say the Houston Astros against Joey Gallo. I'm sure you guys have all seen the defensive shift that they put on. Essentially, Carlos Correa and Jose Altuve are both playing in shallow right field. Alex Bregman is also on the first base side of the second base bag. Yuli Gurriel playing normal. Marwin Gonzalez is out on the warning track in left field. This is at Minute Maid Park, so left field not as deep, but... You basically have a gigantic cluster of defenders in right field. The left-hand side is completely barren 
to Joey Gallo. So that entire side, it's basically begging you to hit it the other way, slap it the other way, bunt, bunt it the other way. And I don't understand what the pushback is, pushback on defensive shifting. It drives me insane because, you know, where do you draw the line? If you were to try and police shifting, how far do you go? Does it only have to do with the infielders and which side on the second base bag they are? Because growing up playing the game of baseball, man, yeah, in high school you don't shift because guys aren't as developed. You don't have, you know, the type of statistics that we do now. But what do you do in high school? I remember our manager always, hey, especially shifting the outfield, knowing that this guy is more prone to maybe going the other way. Hey, right fielder, take five steps over. Guy's more of a shallow hitter, center fielder, come on in a little bit. Guard against the blooper. Late in the ball game. Maybe let's have more infielders if there's a runner on third and we want to try and prevent that run from scoring. Bring in an outfielder. Put him in the infield. How do you police that? I think it's just another thing that makes the game of baseball so great because, and I think a lot of baseball purists will agree with me here, the allure and and a lot of our love for baseball comes out of its strategy. Out of all the major sports, We will all argue that it is by far the most intensive when it comes to strategy, especially in the National League where you have all the changes um, in the lineup with the pitcher spot and whatnot and bringing in guys to combat that and score more runs in, in any case. I just think that adds another layer, man. Another layer to this sort of battle between the pitcher with his defense against a hitter and how they're all trying to attack him. It all is in accordance with each other. If you know how your pitcher is going to attack a hitter, let's say pound him with fastballs outside. Are you going to play a hitter more to pull? Probably not. You're going to play a couple of steps over to have him go the other way. Or maybe an infielder plays shallow because you're not expecting him to do anything but roll over on a pitch. It all goes back to this cat and mouse affair between pitcher and hitter. And I have no problem with a a defense in baseball putting their entire assortment of players on one side of the field. Be a complete hitter, man. You're a major leaguer. I get that power is big nowadays. Chicks dig the long ball now more than ever. And Joey Gallo has made his living pulling the ball. But quite frankly, I don't see how you can't give that opportunity to the defense to stop them as they see fit. I see no problem with it. And if that means... We get to the future of positionless baseball. Guess what? The game is going to adjust. Hitters are going to adjust because while maybe in the Tony Gwynn, Cal Ripken days, we had uh, Jose Bautista and Joey Gallo and those guys growing up watching as youngsters decided they're just going to pull everything and have the ball leave the yard. Well, guess what? As those guys have less success with the shift, kids growing up now are going to harken back to the Tony Gwynn era and learn how to hit the ball the other way. It ebbs and flows, man, over time. The game adjusts to itself. Yes, we've made minor changes here and there, but banning shifts, in my mind, that's not baseball. Let's take Joey Gallo, for instance. You know, because he's been so productive this season. He's hitting about about 200 with a 281 on base percentage. You know who is productive and is considered a big-time pull hitter? At least in spurts, J.D. Martinez. He's hitting 344 with a 395 on base percentage, a 171 OPS plus. He's putting a 36% of his batted balls in play to the opposite field compared to pulling just 37%. Be a complete hitter. 
Because I guarantee you that's always more valued than the dead pull hitter. Always, always, always. The guy that can go to all fields. That's my idea of baseball. I don't know about you guys. Let me know what you think on Twitter. You guys have tonight to, to hit me up and let me know what you think uh, with this Thursday gear grinder this week. Last segment coming up here, uh, and it's going to be a short one, talking about the suspension now of White Sox catcher Wellington Castillo. Now Wellington Castillo suspended 80 games for a positive drug test, and we're not quite sure what at yet what it is for. Um, I think it's going to be announced later in the day on Thursday um, in the afternoon, probably sometime after the Angel game finishes up, which is why I wanted to get out this episode as soon as possible. But uh, who was it that put it out on Twitter? I think it was Justin Verlander after the suspension for Robinson Cano was talking about, oh, wait for the excuse in three, two, one. And I'm I'm curious to hear because another guy is tested positive for PEDs. I'm interested to see what it was. It was the diuretic with Robinson Cano and you got guys on both sides arguing man I can't believe they did Robinson Cano like that or or they were able to suspend him other guys are like man I'm not even surprised I think it was Mark Teixeira that came out with that but it's hard this is something that doesn't leave your career and uh, obviously I acknowledge Wellington Castillo is not nowhere near revered in Major League Baseball as Robinson Cano who looked like he was on his way to the Hall of Fame but Puts a stain on your career that you'll never get rid of, man. And that's why, if you're a big leaguer or aspiring to be one, you always got to take into account what's going into your body. And if you're not, if you're choosing to break the rules and just hoping that you don't get caught, then be honest, man. Just be honest. Look, it's trying to make it to the major leagues. None of this, hey, I don't know what happened. I took some tainted meat or... I was taking this and that to help an injury, and I didn't know it was banned, and that's my bad. Be honest, man. Oh, at least respect you for being honest. I mean, I like you for choosing to cheat and cheat our game like that, but be honest, man. Just like your parents always said when you were growing up, honesty is the best policy. I got to get out of here before I get too, uh, too sentimental with you guys, especially on a on a Wednesday night here or Thursday morning, whenever you're listening to this episode. I hope you guys listen to it at some point. But hey, man, that's going to do it for your Thursday episode of Locked On Angels. As always, please, guys, follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Angels. Subscribe, rate, review as you guys have done a great job. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. And you know Friday's episode is Mailbag Friday, so send me your questions on Twitter right now to get answered on the show i love having as many as possible it makes for a much more fun interactive show so hit me up at locked on angels on twitter or shoot me an email locked on angels at gmail.com get your questions answered i have never been asked a question that i did not answer on this show so keep doing what you guys are doing take it easy have a good thursday guys peace